Good afternoon and welcome to the Healing Our Brokenness podcast, where we dissect problems and solutions that occur from broken people living in a broken world. We've got a we've had a wintry mess of all kinds of stuff going on today. This morning we had snow, snow showers, rain, uh, you name it. I'm not quite sure what it's doing outside now. But anyways, uh, I want to go on and get to the good stuff. We all benefit from the wisdom of a mentor slash important person in our lives. And has this ever been an opportunity of yours? And then my question is, what made that person important? The studies have shown that for every negative influence, we need five more positive influences to counteract those effects. The Bible also teaches the importance of having older women and men take the younger generations under their wings. And I have found myself doing this as far as mentoring unofficially and officially and having myself mentored by um, older women. And this has gone on, especially like within the last maybe eight years and I'm thinking about it. And so um, it's just good to sit back and listen to their wisdom. And the one thing I learned about being around the older people is that they become more their authentic, authentic self as they get older. They stop being so concerned about what others think and they do what they're going to do and they become a little bit more assertive. And it's just kind of funny to me to watch, but it's truly a blessing to uh, glean from their wisdom. On Saturday, I was graced with the opportunity to interview Valletta Brinson. Now, Valletta is a very sweet, humble soul. She is an associate professor at the Southwest Tennessee Community College. She's a performing artist and business owner of Brinson Music Group. And so I hope that you will enjoy listening to the down at home conversation, living room conversation with me and Valletta. Another busy day. <laughs> really? You teach today? No, but I'm going to be um, participating in a pop up shop. Oh. So I'm going to be selling my wine that I. Yeah. Oh, some wine. Oh, wow. When did you start mm-hmm. this? I'm like, maybe I mean, two months ago. Maybe. Maybe two months ago, it's called One Hope Wine, and I got interested in it because you can have host parties and wine tastings, and you can do it for a good cause and help nonprofits, organization, and they help the needy and animals and essential workers. And when I saw that, I was just like, I think that's for me. <laughs> oh, wow. That's good. Oh, man. What time is that? It's not until 3 to 7. Okay. 
And that's not too not too early and not too late. Okay, three to seven. And where is it going to be at again? Uh, at the Holiday Inn um, Hotel in South Haven, Mississippi. Oh, now how far is that from you? No more than 20, 25 minutes at the most. Oh, that's not bad. You know, when you think about Mississippi, you think of like way far out. But yeah, I can remember Mississippi and Arkansas is, is like that's why they call us a tri-state area. You can yes, Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi. Uh -huh. Yeah, and I remember um, yeah. when I went with uh, like Boy Blue had taken us to Tunica, Mississippi, where okay. the the boat was over there because he said oh, they got some good food. <laughs> And we yes, went over there did. and ate. Yeah, that didn't take any time to get there. And then I think it was West Memphis, Arkansas, where he used to have an office over there. Yeah, and yeah. we went over there. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I see what you said, the tri-state area, because you can get to every, you know, whatever you want to go to really fast. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, right. yeah. So your morning been going good so far? Been going good. Just been trying to get my doom done and pick myself up to get ready for this. Girl, you look beautiful. I tell you. Look at you. Oh my goodness. Like I might as well get ready for the day. So I'm gonna stay like this all day. Okay, I don't blame you. Say all day. You all ready. Mm-hmm. Yo, it's 40s here yep. today. Um it's kind of like partly sunny out right now. This morning was really sunny, but yeah, don't let the sun fool you. It's, it's a chilly day today. Yeah, it's only yeah, in the forties. Yeah, what's the high yeah. down there? It's raining here right now, so okay, it's in the sixties too. Oh, now see, yesterday it was raining here, and uh, yes, see, yesterday was Friday, Thursday. I was on my way to work, and it was raining. I was just like praying all the way there that I got to work before the storm started because it's actually supposed to start storming an hour before I left home. Oh, so I was doing good. Like, you know, I was like, man, Jesus, I'm sitting in my head on the steering wheel just praying. You know, you see the clouds getting grayer and grayer. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden you see these sparks of uh, flashes of lightning. I'm like, Jesus, just help me. Right. Get to, you know, help me get to work. Yes. So, um, girl, I guess we're going to dig right on in. Um, okay. So the, the first thing I want to just introduce you formally, this is uh, Valletta Brinson that we have today as our guest. And Valletta is an associate professor at Southwest Tennessee Community College. And she's a singer, along with being a business owner at Brinson Music Group. Wow. <laughs> God is good, isn't he? Oh my word. Okay. So uh Valletta, can you start off by telling us um the listeners about some crazy funny moments that you had as a kid? Um something that you can think of, even if it's something from me and you together or <laughs> I was thinking about I gravitated towards that. Um yes. well one of the funniest things, well not the funniest, the craziest was I was in an automobile accident. And me and my cousins were headed to a swim party. And they were um, much older than me, a couple of years. And the car slipped over a lot of times, a lot of times. We ended up uh, landing upside down. And it was like, as soon as it stopped, it was so, so quiet, you know. And we were asking, are we dead? Because <laughs> we didn't know. Right. We so fast and then it was quiet. And then gradually the traffic and the sound came back. But that was just one of my memorable events of my life and I came out with just a scratch and all of my friends and cousins they went to the the, the med but I went to Lavana Children's Hospital because I was little. Right, you were the youngest one. Right, and another time I used to always remember when y'all used to come to visit us from Chicago and just that farewell was just a terrible thing. Remember that we used to cry all the time. Oh my word! You know, it, it was really something. You know, as as you mentioned, when I came down, uh, what was that in December for Boy mm -hmm. Blue's funeral? The the, the images is the picture is vivid. You know, yeah. it's very yeah. vivid. You know, it's one of those things that's pretty much like sealed in your memory as a kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It teaches yeah. you about loss. It teaches you about distance. It teaches you about missing family and 
and just, you know, getting together and then going back apart. So I think um, that experience just taught us a lot of things about life. That is so true. And at a young age, and um, I guess I would also say it shows you, it showed a lot about uh, the relationship that was there. You know what I mean? Because this was like every time, you know, uh, we got together, we had a good time sing, you know, you'd be playing on the piano, we were singing songs and outside yeah. playing barefoot, you know, walking around and going to 7-Eleven and going to the triplets house, you know, just all those little adventures. And yeah, and then when it came time for that to end and we would be at the Greyhound bus station and they would call out Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's amazing. And it would all go downhill from there, didn't it? <laughs> it did. I hate that. You know, my my children don't have many relatives out of town. They do have an, um, a great aunt in Chicago, but they haven't, you know, visited visited them her on on their own, you know, for a, um, a long amount of time. But I just you know, hate that they don't get the experiences that we had to go and visit. And for periods of time, and then come back home. You know, I hate that for them, but I, I make sure that I do get them out to explore the world. <laughs> okay, yeah, but I know what you mean. That that spirit is kind of like as we had the north and the south. You know, right. and 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 that um, like I said, just the bond that was there. You know, it it was really something special. You know, and even uh, Monica had mentioned it at the funeral. She was saying that um. She can remember going like, it's June, they about to come down. <laughs> it's old, they about to come down here. You know, because you knew that's when the summertime began. You know, when we came down there, you know, and visited. And then at some point, you know, you guys will come up and visit. But it was just like I said, the bond was really strong. And it's nice to have uh, memories like that, you know. And so you carry them and you just keep them in little capsules and compartmentalize and, and gravitate to them when, when the time comes for that. Yes, yes, because there does come a time where, you know, you just think about um, how you grew up or just some important markers in life. And those memories are just like I said, they just so visit, uh, vivid. They help to you realize how much they help to shape you. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. You know, and then Madea and her, you know, she didn't have a lot of words, but just by her, uh, her personality and everything, you know, it just naturally made you want to gravitate to her. You know what I mean? The way she, you know, accepted everyone. Yeah, yeah. You very know, strong, very strong presence. Rest. That's what I would say too. So. um why do you think that uh, relationships are important in general? If someone would ask you, yeah, why why do you think relationships are important? Because they they help mold you as a person, and they help mold the relationship. You know, depending on your personality and what you've been through, you know, that depends on what type of relationship you're going to have with others. So it's very important because you're not in this world alone. You know, so you have to have relationships. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we think, you know how there are some instances where you're like, well, I got it all on control and I don't have to ask anybody for this, that, and the other, but that's not how God created us. You know, he created us to uh, to be with each other, to connect with each other, you know, to bond and to fellowship and for us to have that desire, you know. Because I'll, I'll, I'll particularly, I'm a single woman or wonder woman in a minute and pretend that I'm invincible. I, I will make myself believe that at times, but I have to come off that high horse and say, ah, I need some help. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, isn't that so true? I know, because I've done that myself. And I think about when my kids were little and I'm, oh, and I can do this and I can do that and we'll do this and that. Because I was homeschooling and I'm, <laughs> you know, and I'm glad that I was able to, to um, give them the knowledge I had and to do all the th- different things that we did. But when I think about like just how I was, <laughs> you know what I mean? Instead of like, <laughs> you know, calm down, <laughs> take a deep breath. 
and be able to smell the roses a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Can you do me a favor and see if you could turn your volume up just a little bit louder? I don't know if it's, yeah. So I can hear you just a little bit louder. Okay. Because I can adjust it. Let me see. Say it again. Say something. Testing one, two, three. Okay. Okay. So that's a little bit better. Yeah. So, yeah. But like you said, that when we try to do everything, we quickly find out like, no, I, <laughs> I need some help here, <laughs> you know? And then the scripture tells us to bear you one another's burden. So, you know, when you think about it in that sense too, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now what were, but you had to think back some of the relationships that helped to mold you into who you are right now. Which, what relationships do you think that were? Those were? Um, my mother, my grandmother, and my aunt on my father's side and my mother's side. Um, I think those four people really helped to, to mold me into who I am today. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me, um, you said the aunt on your mom's side? Yeah, my aunt on my mom's side. You know, whenever I just get mad at my mom, I'm like, I'm going to my aunt's house. <laughs> so, yeah, so people used to always think that she was my mother because she was 10 years older than me. That was Cleo. And then my um, father's sister, Betty, uh, whenever I used to go to my dad's house, I um, I just remember her cooking for me, like on Saturday mornings, the rice and the bacon. I just remember her taking that time with me and I would go to basketball games with her and say, go Wayne, go Wayne, looking at her play ball in her long tube socks and stuff. So I just remember those, um, I remember those vivid moments. Uh-huh. I spent a lot of time with my grandmother who was uh, a domestic. Um, and so I went with her a lot and she took me on Main Street and we went shopping a lot. And I, I feel like I, I act like her. She's very nice and just kind of shy, but you know, she speaks her mind. And my mother, she um uh, hard worker, very hard worker, and she did what she needed to do to take care of me. Amen. Yes, yes. Um, so now we're going to a little bit of a different era there. We're gonna to go to music. If you can describe the role that um music played throughout your life and then you know, from like childhood up until now. Okay. Well, I used to go to Arkansas. That's where my great grandfather lived. And so my grandmother and I would go there every summer if we could. And I would spend summers up there. And I just remember just there's this piano up there and my great grandmother wouldn't let me play it. And uh, after she passed away, my mother inherited that and she uh, passed it on to me. So I still have that piano with me. But that inspired me to um, do music. And since it was in the house, I just said, let me get on this thing and pick away. So um, my mother took me to my first concert, which was a Michael Jackson off the wall concert. Oh, wow. That was your first concert, huh? Yeah. And he had on a sequence cat suit. <laughs> oh, that's what you wore? No, no, that's what he wore. Oh, it was a bodysuit. It was a bodysuit. Really? But it, I, that was that was fantastic. I remember the Coliseum, and then I also went to a Prince concert. So those two guys really, I really enjoyed that music. I would go home and try to figure out on the piano what was happening. My mom put me in piano lesson, and I just I knew I liked the way it made me feel those chords and stuff and. It's amazing that I, I didn't figure out what that stuff was until I got to college. All these light bulbs and stuff just kept going off. I'm like, ah, that's what I was doing. Ah, that was what I was doing. But I was doing it early, you know? Right. <laughs> so it's just continued to spark in the music did. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. You got me caught up in there because I'm, I'm, I like listening to music myself, you know? Yeah, and you, oh, when we came down there, you would be on that piano and you would just be going, you know? That was my outlet. That was my getaway. Music is an outlet. It still is today. My husband would say, 
You've been playing the piano all day at work. You've been teaching people voice. And then you're going to come home and just play. I'm playing for enjoyment now, you know. Right. So I can still be around music, you know, all day, all night. Ah, okay. So he said you just, he said you've been at work and came home with it, huh? That's me too. I love it. I get those dusties going. Yeah. You know, yeah, and even before I um, logged on here for the interview, I started, I had started the Dusty's going early this morning at like six something. And I like to sit in the bed on uh, Saturday and Sunday mornings with my pillows behind me, surrounded by books and just read one after the other with the Dusty's playing downstairs. I love it. And it's just, yeah, it makes me feel good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It makes me feel good. Um, now, how do you, how would you say that uh, blackness was celebrated in your family life? Was and is. How would you describe that? Well, when I was little, I think blackness was celebrated by having calendars and pictures and picture frames, you know, of Dr. King and Malcolm X and my my parents and aunts. They would always go to concerts with entertainers like Patti LaBelle. And Rick James and whoever would come to town, they they would love to get together as a whole big group and just go and and, and look at those entertainers. So um, she would listen to um, G.E. Patterson from Kojic. She would listen to a lot of his sermons. So blackness would definitely Reverend Ike. Everyone would just it would just be prevalent in in the household. Okay, so was through them. Right. The stories that, you know, my grandmother would tell me. Oh, yeah. Those are the best, aren't they? The stories that come from the grandmas? Oh, definitely. definitely. And you know what? They never get old. They never get old. Mm-mm. No, they never get old. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was made that helped me to get an early look into race relations as well. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I'm just real quick texting uh, my son. Okay. And that way he'll know. Like, oh, I wonder <laughs> what happened with mom. Mm-hmm. He was just trying to uh, to call me. Yeah, but yeah, uh, with blackness, like you said, when you think about it and, and just the stories, I don't know. Those stories, I, like I said, they never got old for me. You know, even my, you know, my dear stories. And I think about some my mother told me from when she used to live in Memphis. Okay. And then even when they would visit Memphis, um, because she would always tell her and um, Peace Stu and Lois and Nikolai would talk about these girls, they called the Pony Top Girls. And they thought they were all of that because of the fact that they were very light-skinned with really long hair. So it was a lot of like fights that occurred with those girls <laughs> that lived close to them, like a few streets over. Isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah, but that, that would be <laughs> kind of like the, the origin of the fight, you know, they like, we're all of this, you know, you, you guys are darker than us, that type of thing. Yeah, I listen to your mother's podcast too, so I got a lot of interest in history um, learning from her. From I know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I interviewed her, there were a few things that I, I didn't know either. You know, some of them you remember, but not all of them, you know? Right. Uh-huh. Right. And when Ophelia passed away, um, I was around seven. Okay. You know, I have memories of her cooking mm-hmm. and cleaning, particularly out front, like sweeping that area out front of in their house. But I don't have a whole other than, you know, but those memories were very good memories. They were vivid memories, you know. But uh, like I said, my mother, some of the things that she said in the interview, I was like, oh, OK, I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> uh, I remember certain smells, smells of cornbread and smells of you know beans like your mother was talking about I, I remember that <laughs> isn't that something right the beans and the cornbread yes beans cornbread and greens yes and that's something too how I guess you would think about the way that our brain works that we would you know you hone in on certain uh smells you know and, and yeah. you know, it also, 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 just feeds everything it does, doesn't it? 
Oh my goodness, yes. Mm-hmm. And you know what I was just thinking about too when you were talking about the Michael Jackson concert and uh, <laughs> the glittery bodysuit. <laughs> um, remember we went, me, you, and Tora went to see Salt and Pepper and Keep Sweat. And I think um, Stephanie Mills was with them too. Somebody else was with them and I can't remember who the, the other group was. Dan and Jackson, I, I, may, I may be merging two concerts at once. Yes, it was, um, yeah, it was Salt and Pepper, Keep Sweat. And I can't remember, you know, I'm going to ask Tori if she I think it was Guy. I think it was Guy. Guy might have been the, 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 um, the other act. Guy was the other Okay, so. for some reason, that memory totally is blocked. Who was the third group? I think I have some Polaroids of that. Really? Yep. Oh, my I, word. Yep, I'll send them to you. Okay. <laughs> I want to see them. <laughs> so I, I have some pictures when Toria was doing some modeling, and I was, she was like, take this, the letter, take this. Uh-huh. A lot of <laughs> really? Oh my word! But we had so much fun. I can remember because you know I'm more reserved. Like now, I can see myself getting up, expressing more. Yeah. But then I was really nervous, and I remember you guys were up and screaming and yelling. And Taurus said, "Come on, Tina, come on!" And I remember I was looking like, <laughs> uh-uh, "I'm not." <laughs> We had a good time, and, and uh, what's his name, Keith Sweat, you know how he was, he had a towel and was all into singing, and yeah. all the ladies were screaming. I remember. You remember that? You listen to him on the radio sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, man, that, that was a good memory. Um, Probably my age right now, but I still have that first cassette from when he first started. Really? You still you have a cassette player too, probably, don't you? And a record player. Yeah. Okay. And a CD. And you got like it. Yes. You say you gotta have them all there, right? So that you can play them every now and then. I give my students research papers and they have to explain how music um works in society and how technology has progressed. So they talk about the eight bag, they talk about the phone on this, they talk about all of that. So sometimes I have to bring those things in. And I had one student who had sticky fingers and they decided to scratch my Earth Wind Fire record. I was just like, oh my God. Oh my word. Oh my God. You know, keep your hands to yourself. I didn't tell you to touch that. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know you probably like, oh. <laughs> so you got to replace that one then, huh? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, that, that's some good music. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, yes, right. Mm, mm, mm. That is some good music. Uh, how have you been, how do you think you've been coping uh, during the pandemic with this pandemic going on? I think I've just been bettering myself. You know, I think it was more fear at first, but you know, I've been distant. I'm teaching from home. My kids are learning from home as well. But um, I just said, you know, I'm going to come out of this thing being better. So I've been, you know, taking workshops, going to workshops, and just bettering myself, getting better in my business, getting better in my profession, even still having um, digital, um, virtual. Um, rehearsal with my band and I'm here. So, you know, we're, just, we're trying to make it work. Oh, yeah. That sounds good. Yeah, because, you know, I know initially I was like, I don't know. You know, in the very beginning and there were a few groups on Zoom and then you know how you're so used to that, like, that physical, you know, connection and being right there next to someone. Yeah. And then, you know what I'm saying? And so then it's like, mm, I don't know how this is going to work. You know, after the first few times, and then after a while, when you saw like, okay, this is probably going to be going on for a while. I'm going to have to figure out a way to get used to it because this is my connection, you know, mm-hmm. you know, for part of your um, connection. And then there's some 
groups I'm in that I meet in person, you know, in smaller groups that we're able to do like social distance meetings, you know, and then some of the other groups from church we meet online, you know, so I've been doing a little bit of both. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, been doing a little bit of both, but uh, yeah, in the very beginning, I was like, I don't know how this is going to be, you know, because it's new. It's, it's something, um, it was different. Like I said, I'm just so used to that, like face to face, you know? Yeah. 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 My, students yeah. Like it. My students like it very much. I don't like it, you know, but it's, it's the new normal for now. So, thank yeah. You. Yeah, for right now, our, our temporary new normal, huh? <laughs> I guess that's what we'll call it because, you know, only God himself knows how long this is going to go on, you know? Yeah, when, when you look at it. What advice do you think you would give someone who is struggling uh, at this time? Um, it just depends on what they were struggling in. I would definitely say have a relationship with the Father and um, gravitate towards um family and friends and people that you can trust to help you with that struggle. Okay. Yeah. So other people trying to be connected, like you said, connected to, to him and connected to others in some type of way. Yeah. I, I definitely understand you there. Um, myself, you know, there's times to have quiet time and to have isolation. But you need to know when it's time to come out of that. And, you know, even if you have problems coming out of that, that's where those friends and those close people can call you and check on you. Because if you hadn't contacted them, they should be like, hey, what's going on? Let me share with my girl. You know, so I have people, I have people who I have a three day limit. If I let more than three days go by, they, they will be on me. <laughs> so I, I have to stay on my game and, you know, apologize for calling them on the fourth day. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Okay, so they know if they haven't heard from you in a few days, let me call and check on the letter. That's yeah, right. Something's going on. Yeah, that's a good thing because you never know. And like you say, it, it is good for us to have that solitude where we're not always on the go or if you're not always doing things with your kids or you know your spouse or your life-giving friends just to be able to have the time, the quietness, the stillness to even maybe like just uh, determine how we're feeling. You know what I'm saying? Listening to our bodies, determine how we're feeling. And um, I think that that's that space, that margin helps us to be able to hear from God during those quiet times, you know, because we're so busy. Sometimes, you know, we can't hear because that's all the noise going on. You know, the busyness is the noise, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, going back to what you do for a living, you're singing, business owner, and an associate professor. Um, as far as I know, you talked about the music part when we when I asked about how music played a role in your life. So you basically address that as far as singing, but as far as becoming a business owner and being becoming an associate professor, um, would you tell our listeners how um, you ended up getting involved in that path and if that was the path that uh, you would have originally chosen coming out of high school? Well, when I graduated from high school, like I said, I thought I wanted to be a firefighter, a policewoman, some tough chick. But then I also wanted to, my mom was like, no, you can get killed being a police woman. No, you can die in the fire being a fire woman. No, choose something else. <laughs> so she was back with me. And so I was just like, okay, mom, what about a teacher or a singer? She was like, okay, we can work with that. <laughs> I graduated from um, from college. I went to school, um, I mean, graduated from high school. I went to a local college, but they did not have them. A music degree so I was like an undecided major for like a year but I felt okay. in my spirit that I was gravitating towards music but then one day I just went to like student support services or something and I was like look I'm, I think I want to be a music major but y'all don't have this here so I need for you to help me figure out my life and so that's when they helped me um, to find Morris Brown College in Atlanta Georgia so that is where I was um this teacher helped me to find my voice because you know when I went up there I had a plan 
to find L.A. Reid and Baby Face and go to the Face Records and be the next Tony Braxton. <laughs> that was my goal. Yeah, that was my goal. Okay. <laughs> I think I was singing Tony Braxton so much they would call me Tony Braxton. <laughs> this was your roommates in college were calling you that? Just friends. Just friends. Okay. You know, you don't want to be and stuff, but I just knew I wanted to sing. And so when I wanted to audition, you know, they wouldn't let you audition with a um with an R and B song, you know. But that's okay. all I knew. Right. So she was just let me let me help you. Let, let's let's take some lessons and she eventually found something within me that I didn't know was there, you know, because I hid behind my oboe and I hid behind the piano. No one really knew I could sing that much, but she she noticed my gift and said, hey, you can do something with it if you want to. And um, once I started winning some competitions and stuff, I was like, hmm, maybe this lady knows what she's talking about. Okay. She was um, a first lady of the church. And she she showed me how I could have a good balance being a teacher and having a family and performing and singing whenever the time came. And so she kind of emulated who I wanted to be. And I remember one day a couple of years ago, I was teaching a lesson and I just had a moment. I had to just stop and I, I started crying. And my student was like, what's wrong with you? And I was just like, I actually became my mentor, <laughs> you know? I was right. like, that thing that she was for me, I became, and I just had oh. a moment. I had a moment because I have a family. I teach, I perform, I do all those things that she, she was like, you know, just, you know how people want to be an NBA player and football. Yes. You, can try, you can strive to be a big famous opera singer if you want to but just in case I need for you to think about these things and so I'm glad that she 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 talked about those options while I was getting my um degree oh wow ah that was touching <laughs> and then she I was at a HBCU historically black college and she was a white teacher and she just took me in like I was her daughter she even drove me to my audition. She drove me from Atlanta to New York to Boston. Really? Yeah, she took me to audition and she drove her daughter with her. So I have to say her name. Dr. Tony Passmore Anderson. Okay. Really? So that was her. So she just, she cared for me. And even though I was miles away from home, I was just well taken care of while I was away. You know? Mm. That was just wow. Her. Just to have those good people in my surroundings. Mm, so God placed her in your life right at the time you need it. Oh, wow. And that had to be something, like you said, having that moment where you're like, wow, I am my mentor now, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, that, that's really something. Now, what, what advice do you think you would give Others who were thinking about doing exactly what it is you're doing, what what would you say? I would just say to be a sponge. I would try to soak up as much knowledge uh, pertaining to my area of specialty, um, and just try to pursue and try to be the best that you can be. Look at social media, follow those people that are doing well, and see what's working for them, and try to um, be your best self in striving to be. Um, what you want to be. Okay. Wow. Like, reading. Can you repeat the last thing? A lot of reading. Got to read. Yes. A lot of reading. Yep. That's true. Because you can kind of learn from others, you know, to see what their perspective are. Especially those people that, like you said, some of them that you kind of want to emulate. You know, you see their lifestyle. You can learn from their mistakes, that type of things. What do you think are some of the mistakes that you made along the way in getting to your career? I would say the mistakes that I've made was just being fearful. You know, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. I can just remember three, three flights, three plane tickets that were paid for. I didn't pay for them, but I just didn't go on them because I was afraid of flying, you know. 
that fear was put in me from relatives and I'm just like, nope, I'm not lucky with that. Nope, nope, nope. And I just missed so many opportunities for college. I missed going to the Macy's Rose Bowl parade with my band. I missed going to New York with my music students, um, classmates uh, for a workshop or convention. And I missed another flight dealing with the 1996 um, Olympic Games in Atlanta. So when I think about that, it makes me angry because I have that regret in me. But that was just where I was at that time. So I'm glad that I can look back on it and I don't have a fear of flying anymore. Okay. So I have to fly with my job. I've had the opportunity to go to Africa, to go to Greece, to go to London. And I'm just glad that I got over that. So I wouldn't miss those. Right. (laughs) So come through your fear and come here and be fearless. Okay. Wow. To, yeah, we're getting over the fear. Yeah, I, I, I can relate to the fear because uh, with me and driving, I just started uh, driving about a year and a half ago. I had not driven since I was 16. Wow. Fear. Yeah. Took the driving, got my driver's license. And it, the, the fear just like it just just kept on increasing, you know, it was just escalating over the years because that's what fear does. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it can be almost, you know, you let it, it can be almost debilitating. That's true. Did you have a fear that you were going to have a wreck or hurt someone or hurt yourself or was it something else? I think it was a fear of getting hurt you know, myself getting hurt, me possibly hurt. I think it was a combination of both of them, you know. And when I was talking to my therapist about it, she said that part of it could also be uh, control, not having the ability to have control over the situation. You know what I mean? Because you know how when you drive, okay, you got control over that steering wheel for what you do, but you don't have control. We can't control how other people drive, whether they're going to see you have to stop at the last minute or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But she was saying that she thinks a lot of it could be rooted in the inability to have control, you know? Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I have a thing where if I'm riding with someone, sometimes it'll happen while I'm driving. But a lot of times it'll happen when I'm riding with someone, I'll start to want to clench onto the side door and like my body will feel like I'm going fast at a faster rate than it actually is. And it's not even just when I'm riding with someone. Sometimes it can be when I'm riding with someone and my mind to show you how vivid it is. It could go back to being a kid, eight, nine, 10 years old on the L uh, in Chicago with my mom and us going downtown and me having periods where I felt like the train was going faster than it actually was. So my therapist said it's probably an issue with like control, not having control over, you know, the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, thank the Lord. I don't get on the highway, but I do drive <laughs> as of a year and a half ago. And uh, <laughs> my 22 year old son was the one that got me out there. Can you believe that? I can. I can. I had two years old too, and there's something else. Yes, he said, You can do it. I believe in you. And I was thinking, Yeah, I don't believe in me. <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So when I look back at how it began, I'm like, Lord, and I have to look at, you know, these tears come to my eyes. I'm thinking, man, I actually got myself out here. You know, by the grace of God. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does the word, when you think about the word brokenness, what does that mean to you? It feels like loss. feels like being apart from others. Um, trying to work out an issue and it, you know, it can get out of control if you don't get a handle on it and try to mend it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It takes, like I said, it affects your relationships. It does. And others. Yeah. There you go. Like you said, us and others. Because, you know, have you ever noticed a lot of times um, we as people get caught up in something and then, you know, you got a loving friend or family member, you know, come to you and about it. And because um, the scripture does tell us we're supposed to go to each other in love, you know, about sin. And, you know, well, it's not affecting anybody. It's just affecting me. But it's not true. Whatever we do has some consequence, not just on us, but the people who are connected to us. You know what I mean? Definitely. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was. What made me think about it when you said about ourselves and others when it comes to brokenness. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion, why do you think people stay in that state for so long? people stay in that state because they are stuck and they do not know how to get out. And most oftentimes it takes something climactic, traumatic, uh, something to click to, to help them to, to get out of there. I don't know if it's suffering loss or, or what, but oftentimes it takes something drastic to, to, to help them get out of that. Uh-huh. Oh, my word. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because like you said, otherwise, you know, and the sad thing is being like if we're on the outside looking in to whether it's a family member or friend, you know, and you can see the patterns of behavior. Right. They can be totally blind to it. You know what I mean? Definitely. And they can be stuck and we can see like it might be like 10 different steps that they might need to take in order to get out, out of it, but they don't see it. And somehow they keep going through the, the same, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they just like going around in circles. Mm-hmm. And it's sad to sit back and watch. You know, we can't be the Holy Spirit for people. We can't convict them. But it's still nonetheless sad to sit back and watch because you know, when you're thinking there's so much more that God can do with their life, but they just can't see it, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they have to wait on their time and God's time. So, mm-hmm. it's yeah, not on, it's not on our schedule. So, we just have to. There you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you mind sharing like some of the areas that you might have found yourself broken in in life and how God healed you? Um, I think my areas of brokenness were in the areas of self-worth and self-esteem, which stem from childhood sexual abuse. Uh-huh. Over time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and self-worth. um that's something that the devil uses to get a foothold and to keep us trapped there. You know what I mean? Those two areas, you know? And if we don't have that self-worth when that's not solid, between the self-worth and identity, then nothing else is solid. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. And you know, yeah. a feeling to you. You had that dark, that dark feeling, not thinking that you are enough. But, you know, what helps me is prayer and uh, Cummings. I like looking at my standard Cummings and that, and I like looking at the people that I like. Right. <laughs> that, that helps me. Mm-hmm. It's my heart yeah. flowing and makes that, makes me smile on the inside. And if I smile, right. I can I can look at anything else now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's that self-worth. Like I said, you know, well at least I you know feel for myself when that self-worth and um identity and like you said, the self-esteem, as soon as you got those three areas, the devil will get a foothold. Yeah. Uh, and just run amok, you know. Okay, I, I didn't get your relatives. I didn't I didn't I didn't I'm not breaking that chain yet. I, I want to get you. And, you know, you can start to believe that stuff. Oh, my word, yes. That I'm not, 
I'm not valuable as a person, as a, a human being. I'm not worthy of that. You know? Yeah. And the, and the devil, um, he had my mind going in the, the marriage that I was in, uh, in the area of uh, self-worth and, um, you know, because of the fact that like my self-esteem was low and the view I had of my own personal uh, appearance and that type of thing, he ran amok on. And then when I heard, you know, a comment another teenager made, and then all of a sudden, you know, you start going like, oh, well, this is what I was thinking about myself. It must be true because somebody else said this. You see what I'm saying? And I was a Christian at the time, but the devil used what she said in the area I was already broken in to make me think that this had to be true. It must be true because this is what somebody else said about me. Somebody else's opinion, not God's opinion. You know what I'm saying? But somebody else's opinion. And that's what kept me in um, at an emotional abusive marriage for so long because of the belief is that um, because of my appearance and me thinking, oh, well, I should be happy to be with someone else that's handsome because, you know, um, because of how I look. It, it was just twisted thinking. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Very twisted, but it played on um, my self-worth. So I do know um, how that works. And it's like, once you start getting that back, and God helps you to feel empowered by that when you're getting your self-worth from him. And then you hear other people saying stuff and not saying that it's not hurtful, but then you're able to start grounding yourself. And it's like, you know, all of a sudden you start thinking to yourself like, mm, I'm not getting approval from you <laughs> on whether you feel I'm valuable or not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can start like grounding in the truths of scripture. You know, like I know that this is what God says about me, no matter what it is you're saying, you know? But uh, yeah, it, it takes some time to get there. So yeah, I, I totally understand. Uh, what would be your advice for someone who are dealing with areas of brokenness with the self-worth and self-esteem and the issues that you had uh, that led to that? What would be your advice for that person? Um, therapy is always a good thing. Um, one book that I love is called The Courage to Heal. The Courage to Heal? By Ellen, Ellen Bass. And in that book, they just have lots of experiences that people have undergone. And so you get to read about other people's experience, some worse, some not as worse, and how they came out of it. So I, I okay. Whenever I get to feeling low, like I said, if I'm not watching a comedy or something, I may go and read that. The Courage to Heal. Wow. And I've never heard of that. I, I like reading a lot of different books that help, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like you said, with therapy uh, as well, too, I've been in therapy for quite a while. And um, my goodness, the benefits of that, you know? Yeah. yeah. I can't think of the, the author, but it's called Mending the Soul. Mending the Soul is a good book also. Wow. Mending the Soul. That sounds good. Yeah. You know? And yeah, the title. And everything that comes with that. Say it again now? It has a workbook and everything that you can get with that. Oh, really? For mending the soul? Yes. That sounds good. Yeah. It made me think about um, this book that I read by Joyce Meyer, Healing the Soul of a Woman. Okay. Have you heard of that one? No, oh, I haven't heard that it's good. It's a black and like a black and like a fuchsia type of color on the front. Yeah, healing the soul of a woman. It's really good. And I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, because I got to look out there again, that she came out with a devotional. I've got the book here, but I want to say she came out with a devotional for that book. I want to get the devotional to go with it. Yeah, but it's by Joyce Meyer. Book by Joyce Meyer and. And um, Joel Osteen. Yes. Your Best Life. I think that was the one by Joel Osteen. So, yeah, I, I, I love getting 
those books. Mm-hmm. Yes. And she's got one I read years ago. I wouldn't mind getting that book along with the devotion to go with it to keep here at the house. It's called Battlefield of the Mind. Ooh, I think I heard about that. Yes, it's good. I would like to reread it. You know, some books you wouldn't mind um, like once a year reading just to kind of refresh like, you know, sometimes you, we get rusty. You yeah, know? Spending all that money on them. I will well get them more than once. <laughs> so you tell them like it is, huh? I know. I'm alone this for you. I'm alone this for you, and then we never see it again. That right. is true, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! How do you think? Or I'm not sure if they did or they did not. Did community play uh, a role in your healing, or do you think this was like a solo thing? It was a solo thing. They helped, but they just didn't know that they did. Okay. Okay. With me doing the performance and that served as an outlet for me, or me acting in something, or me going to a, a Bible study. You know, I, I get my healing um, from a plethora of ways. Okay. Okay. So you're yeah. like me. This is my, this is actually my first time coming out publicly about, you know, being sexually abused other than mm-hmm. going on Facebook and, and typing me too once, you know. One so, time, you had the courage. Yeah, so I'm going yeah. to pat on the back for this podcast. That is good, and you know what? Someone else will hear your story and hear what it is you're doing now, and they will go like, wow. You know what I'm saying? I can do what she's doing. Grace of God, right? Somebody that's in that stuck position, as we talked about, you know? That's true. Yeah. That's true. We hear other people's story, you know, chains are broken, people get set free, and we never know. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah, we never know. So what do you think um, that happens as a result if a person is like, let's just say walking around 40 years with unhealed brokenness? The same thing. What do you have? What do you think is the end? What will be the end result of that? Like just never touching that for forty years. I mean, anything to come out in some type of way, likely, is going to be unhealthy, and people are going to be hurt, and they don't even know why. You know, they're being hurt. So it's important to try to get that taken care of. You cannot. Try to go through life with that in you. It, it's an infestation. It's not mm-hmm. natural. So you need to you need to get that out. Right. Yeah. I don't know if it's through writing, through writing a journal, through writing a letter, shouting at the top of your lungs. You have to figure out what to do to get it out. Exercise, do something that starts somewhere. But there has to be a starting point. Yeah. So, so some some type of starting point. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> it's sad to say I only have one more question. <laughs> and this is always the one that makes me kind of teary out because I don't know what the person's going to say. But uh, just the word itself, it just it's a, it's a lot of memories attached to it. And my last question for you today is what does the word home mean to you? Yeah, I, wrote, I wrote this down. Home means free of judgment. Home means solace. And home means peace. Oh, wow. I like those three. Free of judgment, solace, and peace. Oh, wow. Yeah. And just saying that, there is a peace that comes with hearing that. You know what I mean? Definitely. Solace, free of judgment, and peace. And you're saying, this is home. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. Uh, our time is up. I guess we <laughs> we finished all of the questions, but oh, my goodness, this has been a very good interview. And how we turn this chat. We do. We do. We definitely have to, even in all the business and craziness 
find time to call each other, you know, even if it's on the, you know, the weekend, I know during the week it gets kind of crazy and busy, but we definitely have to, you know, um, and I saw you, uh, at Boy Blue's funeral and it was like, you know, we're there for the funeral and you have all of these, um, different mixed emotions because it was just so sudden and you, we really didn't have pro- time to process like what had happened you know what I mean because it was just like that and he yeah. was gone I know. and um, you know my aunt Pistu was in the hospital at that time and like I said he was gone so it was like we were still dealing with her being in the hospital the newness of him being gone and oh my oh my word and when I saw you I was like oh my word and um just like my mind went back to that bus station in Chicago and that's not Chicago in Memphis the bus station I know yes yes and it's like ah you know how it's just a feeling like when you're like good to see you you know what I mean yeah, yeah. yes yes but we will definitely definitely keep in touch and I hope and pray that you have a a blessed Saturday with your event with your wine event that's from 3 to 7 you said right right yep this has been oh my goodness such a blessing so have a congratulations thank you for having me congratulations on your 8th book oh my word I'm going to have to go back and and, and start in book one. And then I'll make my way. <laughs> so make, build yourself up, huh? Yeah, go back and look at these podcasts. See, I didn't even know you were doing all of this. So all of these things happen for a reason. It does, doesn't it? The way that God does it and he orchestrates it. And, you know, sometimes you look at it and you see the time and you're like, why, Lord? And, and only he knows the answer. And, and, you know, but I do believe in... Even though you can't regain time, I do believe in, uh, oh my goodness, I love the verse where God says he will restore all the years that the locusts have eaten. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, he can make our latter end even better than the the former end, you know? That's true. Yes, yes, girl. And we will talk, we will keep in touch. And I will let you know as soon as I get this out there tomorrow. Yes. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. Love you. Okay. All right. Talk to you soon. Love you too. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you for listening to episode 72, an interview with Valletta Brinson. And I also want to give a shout out to Timothy Horton, who is bringing us our intro and outro music entitled Valley of Grace. You can find that song out on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, YouTube, you name it. You can find it out there. So thanks, Timothy Horton. And until next time. Without his grace, how could I say?
that I've seen the world from his great love. How could I know what he could love? How would I've seen what he had in store for me if I didn't give up? Love that refines